What happened that day when the Spirit arrived, when the Holy Spirit came? What happened then? It got loud, loud enough to be heard all over town. Fire appeared, divided and dispersed to each of them. The outsiders came running, and they heard the fire talkers tell of God's mighty works in their own language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians. The Spirit had come to describe the glory of God in their native tongues through those who followed Christ. These representatives of the world stood astounded but curious, bewildered but ready. Then Peter showed them from the scripture exactly what it meant, revealing God's promise to all who trust in Jesus. And many believed, and many repented, and many were baptized, and many were saved. The Spirit had come. The church was born. Yeah, the Spirit had come and the church was born. How many would say, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many would say this morning that you could use a little bit of the, or an awful lot, of the Holy Spirit activity in your own life on this day? We're going to talk about New Spirit. This is Pentecost Sunday, kind of the celebration of the church of the day of Pentecost, but I would say that every day really needs to be Pentecost Sunday for all of us. Just that re-inviting of the fresh wind of God to breathe on our lives. Um, for some of us in the room, perhaps you feel like uh, you hold that belief that when you gave your life to Christ, if you gave your life to Christ, that the Scripture and the Scripture does indeed say that the Holy Spirit came into your life on that day. Um, and for you, possibly, you may feel like, well, that was it. It was this one-time occasion. It happened when I gave my life to Christ. Uh, I received that, and um, I'm glad about it. But I haven't really given it much more thought, the activity of God in my life. Um, and for some of us, we would want to even possibly say, I don't even know what we're talking about when you start to talk about the Holy Spirit. So hopefully I can fill in a couple of those spaces for all of us today, uh, and hopefully by the time we leave, maybe we would all be in this place where we're a little bit more open to the activity of God in our own life because we desperately need that. See, the truth about you and the truth about me is we don't have what we need outside of God to live the kind of victorious life that God desires for us to live into uh, short of the Holy Spirit. God's presence on the earth, filling our lives to overflowing. So it's interesting, um, when I first gave my life to Christ, and even before I was exposed, I had a lot of Christian friends, I had Christian family, um, and I had some of those confusing things that go on, and uh, sometimes those confusing things about the Holy Spirit uh, or the things that you hear kind of frighten you off, 
uh, or make you hesitant about being open to the Holy Spirit's activity. I had one friend that told me uh, shortly after I gave my life to Christ that in his church, uh, they would know when the Holy Spirit really filled somebody's life. Like they would say, he got the Holy Spirit or she got the Holy Spirit and it was accompanied, he would say, it was always accompanied by shouting and screaming and then there was, uh, there was like this maybe running at times. And listen, when you've been touched by God, who knows? The video we just watched, they talked about how loud it must have gotten. They spilled out onto the roads. But that simply was the only evidence, he said, in the church. They would say, she got the Holy Spirit, for instance, and then maybe she would pass out. And then the ushers would come, and they would bring smelling salts, and they would fan the person. And he said, I could never figure out, because he was pretty young also, he said, I could never figure out. It was like we we." spent the service trying to get the Holy Spirit. Then when we got the Holy Spirit, then we would try to extinguish the Holy Spirit. Like we would, we'd bring out smelling salts and we'd try to revive the person. It was almost like we tried to stop what was happening for the person. So that would bring some confusion at times to people, certainly to me, in trying to figure out how's God just trying to work in my life. I don't know about that. But I do know that God does want to bring fire into our life, as Claire uh, talked about, in a good way, a fire that transforms us. Then there was the, the, the kind of the presentation of the Holy Spirit um, that was the contradictory spirit. Like, I remember early on after Claire and I gave our lives to Christ that we had three women in our church. There was not a lot of eligible bachelors in the church. And there was this one guy, Jim, he was like the most eligible bachelor. And three women in the church um, got a word from the Holy Spirit that they were going to marry Jim. So I didn't know if God, the Holy Spirit was possibly Mormon. I didn't know, like, what is that? Uh, You know, is God confused with who Jim should marry? Or it's just two people are wrong, one is right. Actually, one of them did marry Jim, but uh, still not sure that was the Holy Spirit. But I'm only kidding. I'm sure that there was a lot of wonderful stuff. Then the chill bumps. People would say, you know, the chill bumps. I got the chill bumps, and, you know, I was there, and just I was in the service, and the chill bumps. So, you know, then you start to think, well, if I get the chill bumps, uh, it's the Holy Spirit. Then you're at an Aretha Franklin concert or... Uh, Johnny Cash concert or whatever your flavor is, you know, John Legend, and you get the chill bumps. And you're like, is this always the Holy Spirit? Not that the Holy Spirit can't bring you chill bumps, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the Holy Spirit. And so you hear all this different stuff, and it's not in any way to discount that, but I think what it does for all of us at a certain level is it begins to make us apprehensive. Because even in those stories, I don't say any of those stories to try to put off the pursuit that anybody has because I think that our bigger issue is that we're not pursuing enough and not open enough. Not that we do things that get at times messy, not at times that we think the Holy Spirit might be working in our lives and we might be wrong, but I would contend that the bigger invitation is to be more open to the Holy Spirit. And we possibly have seen things or heard things or thought things that have, has caused some tentativeness in us. But I would encourage all of us to be open to the full activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And who knows what God wants to do uh, and manifest in you and through you. If you have your Bibles, you can open 
to John chapter 16, starting with verse 7. I'm going to jump down to verse 7. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, Jesus speaking, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate, speaking of the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send the Spirit to you. And when the Spirit comes, the Spirit will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no longer, about judgment because the ruler of the world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. It's an interesting statement. You ever felt that way, that you just couldn't bear any more? I mean, imagine being around Jesus and all of these phenomenal things happening and their eyes being open to so many incredible things. We read this, the Gospels a couple thousand years later, and it's hard for us to wrap our arms around, around that. Imagine living in the midst of that, and Jesus says, there's things that you can't bear, so i got to like let out the, this stuff in, in a process in your life. And then he goes on, and he says, and when the Spirit, basically saying, this is how I'm going to do this, when the Spirit of truth comes... The Spirit will guide you into all truth, and the Spirit will declare to you the things that are to come. The Spirit will glorify me and will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that the Spirit will take what is mine and declare it to you. When the Spirit of truth comes... The Spirit will guide you into all truth and will declare to you the things that are to come. Now, it's interesting. I think we really limit ourselves if we live in this place of saying that God just shows up in my life at one point and certainly resides, but then we don't open ourselves to the continual activity of God. N.T. Wright says this. He says, those in whom the Spirit comes to live are God's new temple. So when we think of ourselves as a temple, which we're referred to not only as the church referred to as a body or a temple, but also we as believers, those of us that are believers are referred to as a temple, they are individually and corporately places where heaven and earth meet. And it gives this reminiscence, and this is when you think about the activity of the Spirit in your life, I don't think that any of us uh, can go very far from, for instance, the prayer uh, that a lot of us call the Our Father prayer, um, the Lord's Prayer, whatever you may call it, where Jesus uh, teaches us how to pray, and he says, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, in other words, heaven come to earth, thy kingdom come in, on, he, in, on earth as it is in heaven, right? So there's this, there's this interchange that God is, is wanting to, now that Jesus goes to heaven, he leaves the Spirit, and the Spirit invades our lives as Christ followers, does these amazing things in us and through us, there is this exchange. N.T. Wright would say that it's corporately and individually places where heaven and earth meet, which is just a connection to the Our Father. Now, when you see Jesus speak of the Spirit, he spoke of the Spirit many times. There's no way in a few minutes that I could cover even a fraction of what the Scripture talks about and even what Jesus talks about when it comes to the Spirit. 
but I want to bring a few things to our attention. In John 7, 37 through 39, it says, On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of a believer's heart shall flow rivers. Everyone say rivers. Let's say it louder. Rivers. Rivers of living water. And now he said this about the spirit, which believe, believers in him were yet to receive. So Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit in your life and mine, the spirit that he was speaking to them about that was going to be coming into their lives as a river, a flow, something that flows through us, flows into us and flows through us. The Holy Spirit, first of all, is in you. When you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit uh, comes upon us, right, or comes into our life. The Holy Spirit is in us for us. The Holy Spirit is in you for you. In other words, you can't transform as a Christ follower. You can't move closer into Christ's image without the activity of the Holy Spirit in you. So the first place that the Holy Spirit starts as a river is in us, but then comes upon us or flows through us for others. So the Holy Spirit comes in us, for us, flows through us, or comes upon us for others. So part of the reason, a big part of the reason that the Holy Spirit activity in our life is so critical is not only that we would live a victorious life, it would be that we, we're really on a mission. You do realize that. You remember when Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel that we have been commissioned. We have been on a mission as, as Christ followers. And the only way we can live into that mission fully is by being full of the overflowing presence of God. It's when God's presence comes upon me that I can do the things to the outward world and the people around me or impart to them what the kingdom of heaven has for them. I don't really have anything in and of myself. I mean, there's certainly some things I can do, but there aren't those supernatural things. There isn't that heaven-like kingdom tangible evidence of God's presence outside of my connection with God himself. See, so it's important, the first thing that we need to think about is that we need to, the, the Bible uh, admonishes us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, what it really says is to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, it's interesting because this is a bottle of water that uh, we would say it's not been opened yet. We would say this is a full bottle of water, right? But the truth is, is this is not a full bottle of water. The only way to really fill this bottle of water is it has to overflow. If the bottle never overflows, then it's really never full. It's not full just because we say it's full. So when the Holy Spirit comes into our life at salvation, we can think we're full of the Holy Spirit, but there seems to be, in God's language, it seems to be this place that goes beyond that, and that we are active participants in opening ourselves up to the infilling, the be being filled of the Holy Spirit. So this requires an overflow. This requires an outpouring and an inpouring. And so the Holy Spirit comes on me for me, comes into my life for me, but then the Holy Spirit pours out of me 
for the sake of the world. Now, there's a few, there's a ton of different charismas, which are simply charismas are just divinely conferred abilities or, or talents or powers, supernatural goodness, prompting, senses. They can be described in so many different ways scripturally. Um, but I want to touch on a few that I think are really critical for us if we, as a, as a, no matter where you're at in your walk, no matter where you're at in your fellowship with the Holy Spirit, I think this is a great place for all of us to think about today. First of all, the first charisma um, or the experiencing of God on earth in our lives is that God, the Holy Spirit, is a guide. Who here could use some guidance? Who here would say, boy, if I could get some guidance from God, I could really use that? I mean, I don't know. I, I think about this multiple times a day. It's like, I could really use some guidance on this, God. There's stuff in my life, and I would think in your life on this day, that you need guidance for. Again, the scripture says, we just read it, but I want to read it again. I still have many things to say to you. So Jesus foretelling the fact that you would be on earth in this moment. See, this scripture wasn't just for those he was speaking to. This scripture was for you, knowing before you were in your mother's womb that you were going to be in this room on this day. Jesus would say this to you. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. And the spirit will not speak on its own, but will speak what is heard from the Godhead, the perfect communion, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the question when we talk about when almost everybody raised their hands, and some of you would never raise your hand because you just, you're always afraid if you raise your hand. You were like this in school. Even if you agreed with something to raise your hand about, you wouldn't raise your hand because you didn't want to get called on. I don't know if you got that. Like when you're in the military, they told you never volunteer or whatever. I don't know. Or in class. But I would think all of us need guidance. So the question when it comes to guidance that we have to start at is, are you guidable? I think that's a great question. Are you guidable? And if you are guidable, how guidable are you? So it's one thing to want to be guided, right? Then we've got to make a decision. I want to be guided. Am I really guidable? It's an honest question especially for some of us that have become pretty darn, we're just really proud of ourselves, aren't we? We really got it together. So we should be guiding everybody else. Are you guidable? And then how guidable are you? And then who is best to bring that guidance? I would say the Holy Spirit. Jesus was the picture of being guided by the Spirit. You remember that even when Jesus went into the wilderness, the scripture says that he was essentially guided by the Holy Spirit. Right before that happens, in John chapter 1, the scripture says Jesus gets baptized. In John chapter 1, verse 32, it says, And John testified that I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remained on him. John's the only one that uses this term, the dove remains on Jesus. So you have the, the Holy Spirit uh, pictured as a dove, comes down from heaven, uh, 
lands on Jesus and remains on Jesus. Now, um, I'm not a bird expert, but I was at Kmart the other day, and I, I, we have doves around our house at times, and they're just skittish, aren't they? Uh, at Kmart the other day, I was in the garden section. There's a, uh, there's a couple of doves. They've got a nest in the Kmart sign there by the garden section. And everyone that walked past that sign, and it was up like 20 feet high, but every time somebody would walk under that sign, these doves would like freak out. Skittish. So the question, it's interesting that John pays attention to the fact that the Spirit remains on Jesus. So this is the issue of how guidable Jesus was. This is the question for us, is how, first of all, can come into our lives but remain with us. So if, if we were to say that the Spirit descended on us, that we invite the Spirit into our life, or you see this picture of Jesus after baptism, and you were to say, well, how would you walk if you had a dove land on you? And almost all of us would say you'd walk carefully, right? You, you would walk carefully, and that makes a ton of sense, because if you don't walk carefully, if you want the dove to remain, you walk carefully. If you don't want the dove to remain, you don't care. But I would say even more detailed is you would take every step with the dove in mind. So what shows that I am guidable, that I'm not only saying I need guidance, but that I'm guidable and I want the Holy Spirit to guide me as I begin to take every step of my life with the dove, with the spirit in mind. Claire was sharing a story. Uh, I heard her mention uh, that we were the last couple of days, she was teaching um, a bunch of leaders for Young Life uh, at a conference in Detroit. And uh, anyway, at one point she was sharing this story, which a lot of you have heard this story about the beautiful way that God healed her. Uh, 16 years ago, she was diagnosed with MS. Um, And anyway, uh, without getting into all the details of the story, um, she had diplopia, so double vision, gets checked. She has uh, lesions, which is what shows up. Uh, when you have MS, they're like scars on your uh, spinal cord and uh, different parts of your brain could show up. And then they, they do these um, MRIs over periods of time to see if it's developing. Anyway, so through that process immediately, and Claire started to share in the uh, training that she was doing about how profound solitude and silence was in her life. But as she was sharing the story, I remember all of that as clear as day because I went to every appointment with Claire and we would talk to the doctor. But I remember how she was so attentive through the process, certainly to the doctor, certainly to uh, different, different things that were going on. She was in the process, but she was so attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The doctor said, you know, uh, you can go on interferon. There was medications that would change her life even if nothing uh, got better. The, the medication itself, there were those decisions. She decided because of a leading by God, guidance by the Holy Spirit and paying attention to that. She responded to that. She responded in solitude and silence because that was a leading of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just she was dreaming up different things to do. And I was thinking about it. She was talking. I thought, what a great, beautiful, and she's always like this, what a beautiful picture of 
paying attention to the guidance and the voice of the Holy Spirit. How much do we need that kind of stuff in our life? See, and this is part of the problem is we even hear a testimony, like we'll hear a testimony, for instance, of, and Claire's totally healed. She is, no lesions even show up. We, we joke, she jokes around about this. She says the doctor at one point said, your brain is unremarkable, which, you know, that's kind of like a joke. I, I think her brain's remarkable, but meaning that she was healed. The doctor said, I can't say you're healed, but you're healed, you know. So what happens to us is we hear stories like that and testimonies, and it should be an invitation to us for guidance, But what happens to us is then we think, if I'm ever diagnosed with MS, I'm not taking the medicine, and I'm going to start resting like Claire, and she can almost give me a prescription. And we forfeit this treasure that God gives us. And it's at every level of our lives. We don't have to have this debilitating diagnosis in our life. This could be about where you're going to live, a career move. What's the next step with your family? Should you ask her to marry you? Should you ask him to marry you? Should he receive all three of those invitations to marry, you know, if you're Jim Miller? Anyway, every step with the dove in mind, with my finances, with my health, with my career, with my relationships, with my investments, with my business, with my serving opportunities, with the geography, where should I live, when should I live there, where should I send the kids for school. That's a big decision for some parents in this room, even on this day. This is the moment. You're deciding for next fall, and you're going through that discernment process. There is a guide that is there for you. The Holy Spirit is also a peacemaker. In this world, the truth is, is there's some really wonderful things going on, isn't there? There's like, but then there's the good, there's the bad and the ugly. I mean, we live in a beautiful, beautiful earth. God has given us so many gifts, but there's a lot of bad, there's a lot of chaos, there is ugly stuff going on. And the truth about some of us, if we were honest about it, is when you talk about the voice of the Holy Spirit, we would have to, if we were honest, say we are more familiar with the voice of the enemy. We are more in tune with the chaos that the enemy is trying to bring on the earth than we are to the voice of God himself. We, we rehearse things. My family's always had health problems, therefore I'll have health problems. I've always had a problem keeping a job, so I'm going to have another problem keeping a job. Whatever it is, and we, we rehearse these things, shouldn't it be that we would at least give as much space to the overwhelming peace and charisma of God? You remember that story where Peter, the Scripture says, it's in the book of Acts, and the Scripture says they started bringing people to Peter and to the apostles, to some of the disciples, and there was all kinds of healings going on. And at one point, you know, they're using handkerchiefs to heal people. They're sending handkerchiefs. At another point, it says that Peter's shadow is healing people. Peter, literally, they're just getting, now there's not, I've got a shadow right here. I mean, there's nothing to it, right? It's not about the shadow. It's about the environment, I believe, that's, that's been created by the Holy Spirit around Peter's life. And there is a shadow around you. And there is this overshadowing, whatever is overshadowing, of, if, if the Holy Spirit is overshadowing my life, then I'm reflecting God's kingdom. But if I'm reflecting another kingdom, even as a Christ follower, if what's being reflected, if the environment around my life is chaotic, 
I'm not a person bringing the peace of the Holy Spirit. I'm not a person that's helping regulate by the power of the Holy Spirit what's going on. What I'm doing is bringing the chaos of the enemy. Does it make sense? There is a shadow, there is an environment that is formed around you. And I believe that as we receive the activity of the Holy Spirit in our life, that God helps us bring a regulating, peaceful, God-filled presence to the earth. That your shadow literally does have the ability to, to heal and affect and calm storms. And lastly, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Jesus said it this way. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. In other words, you're on a mission to bring my kingdom to earth. In another place, in the Beatitudes, Jesus said it this way. He says, you're the light of the world. You're a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket but on a lampstand and gives light to the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. In other words, we are empowered to live in such a way so that the good works of God are displayed in us and people will begin to say that there is a God or that's evidence of God because it could have never been accomplished on your own. It has to be God. You know, I used to get mad, and I'll, I'll close with this. I used to get mad. I, our, one of our early pastors who kind of lost his way uh, at one point, several years into the church plant here, and I uh, said to me, I saw him, he was working at Metro Airport, and Claire and I were flying out somewhere, and he said to me, um, he said, wow, that church you guys are pastoring is going pretty good. And he said, I never, I never thought you guys would amount to much of anything as leaders. And you know, it used to really bother me, and I, I've, in paying attention to this scripture, I realize it's like, that's what this is. It's like, he's right. It made me, it was offensive when I heard it at first. Never amount to anything, I'll tell you. But what he was really saying is, only God. He wasn't saying it very nicely, but, <laughs> right? Only God. This is not what you guys have done, only God, right? Only the activity of the Holy Spirit in our life. So stand with us. And we're going to make this song a prayer. So however you pray, if you bow your head, if you fold your hands, if you lift your hands, let these words just wash over you or sing them as a way to be open to God's Spirit. Holy Spirit, rain down, rain down. Oh, oh comforter and friend, how we need your touch. Again. 
that we care about in our lives that need our presence to be a Holy Spirit filled presence there are so many people in our lives that are desperate for someone to have the kind of shadow that is a blessing that is a non-anxious gift and so God I pray for my friends and I bless them now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit 
And I pray that you would surprise them with fresh infillings, that they'd wake up in the middle of the night and notice that you are filling them again, that they would get up in the morning and they would sense that they're not walking in their own power, that God, in conversations, they'd find that their words are actually spirit-filled, that they would not be willful, but willing that they would be open and say, God, I really don't know what the next step is. Would you lead and guide me? And so I bless my friends today, and I thank you for this word. We take it into our hearts, and we take it out into our world. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a spirit-filled week. We'll see you next week.